Welcome in, guys, to another episode of the TNBL Times podcast. This is Vincent. Um, we're going to do the uh, trade deadline recap today. Uh, I'm going to go back to, let's see, I've got notes on deals since, um, since Monday, February 25th. There were a few before that, um, but I just, I kind of had to make a cutoff point at some point. And, uh, and yeah, that's kind of, just kind of the arbitrary cutoff point there. So if you made a move before that, slightly before that, like I know Everett dealt, Robin Gordon, got a couple of decent prospects back. Um, I bought a pitcher um, and then Claude City made a couple moves. Uh, oh, and then, oh, well here, I guess since we're going back here, since I'm scrolling, uh, Italia bought or got off Antonio Bentoncourt, which uh, upgraded a position for him. And we'll get to that a little bit later um, in terms of what that means for for Italia going forward. But yeah, we're just, just going to go through the trade deadline um, here in a little bit. Actually, right now, I think I'm um, going to start off just by looking at the standings here on August 3rd. We got about two months left of the season. Um, Philly's on top of the standings after a big week. Talk about them in the trade deadline. Claude City. Baton Rouge has gotten, you know, they've got a good squad, but they've also been the luckiest team uh, so far with six wins above their patha- uh, their uh, their predicted record. Um, I guess tied with Kansas City's also six wins above, which is kind of a bummer for Kansas City because I think they're trying to get. No, Freddie's been trying to win, so good for good for Freddie trying to get to a uh, 500 record, maybe steal that 12 seed. Let's see, they are. Uh, looks like only a couple games back of that right now, maybe last Springfield, Springfield, the 12 right now. Yeah. Springfield, Springfield's the 12. So only Freddie's only a half game out. Yeah. Shout out to, I think, I don't think we've done a podcast since a few new members have gotten here. Freddie is relatively new. We got Roy in Indianapolis. That's new. Um, Jake just took over Bronx earlier today. Um, Jim in Atlanta, and I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Oh gosh, who's new? It'd be nice if I pre-did this part, right? I swear I'd, I have notes written down on the other stuff. Um. Oh, Portland's new. That's right, Mark. Shout out Mark. I knew we did one more. So yeah, shout out to all the new guys. Hope you guys stick around, especially uh, Jake. Hope you stick with Bronx because that franchise has been awesome for our entire existence and has never gotten an owner to stick longer than two or three seasons for a bunch of different reasons. So hopefully Jake sticks around does some good things there. He's got a lot to work with. So, uh, we'll be watching. Um, yeah, it looks, I, as I see it right now and we'll see how this take ages. I think there are four legitimate content, uh, five legitimate, five legitimate contenders for, um, for the World Series this year. Obviously, Philly and Cloud City are one and two. And then in some order, I mean, I think they're the top tier, if you, especially, you know, if you look at run differential and just record, um, you know, there are a few games up on everybody. But then the next three, I've got Italia, Brooklyn, and Seattle in some order. Um, Italia is way, is higher than Brooklyn and Seattle in terms of record, but it's way lower than them in terms of run differential um, and in terms of predicted record but I'm still including Italia in this group and not Baton Rouge because of defense uh, Italia is currently first in defensive efficiency um, frankly I think Nico's done a great job in Baton Rouge 
um, getting that team to where it is right now. However, Baton Rouge is one of the worst defensive teams in the league, and just the, the peripherals make it look like Baton Rouge has gotten lucky so far. Uh, so I'd put them more in a tier with uh, where, where Pittsburgh and Fargo are uh, in terms of contenders, which, you know, anything can happen. Crazy stuff can happen. But, yeah, my top five going into this stretch run post-trade deadline would probably be Philly, Cloud City, 1-2. Um I would probably say Seattle three, just because we saw how dominant that team was in the postseason last year. Um, and then, man, it's a really tough call to pick between Brooklyn and and Italia. I guess I'm going to go with Brooklyn because of the the uh, the run differential fourth, and I liked what they did at the deadline. We'll talk about that here in a few minutes. And then Italia is fifth, but I, I think that the three, four, five, you could mix them up any which way, and uh, I wouldn't. Wouldn't fight you too hard on it. So five really strong teams going for the title here uh, in the last couple months. And I guess six, if you want to throw in Baton Rouge, um, who was six, you know, they're almost, they're 29 games above 500. So, uh, you know, maybe they should be in that tier. That's an impressive spot to be. Um, And I do, man, is that team, I don't think that team's been to the playoffs very often. Um... Oh yeah, no, they have. I'm getting them mixed up. They made they made the playoffs the first five years that we existed, and then they've only made it once out of the last five years. So this will be twice in the last six years that they will have made the playoffs. So still a good turnaround there for Nico uh, to do what they've done this year. All right, let's jump into the uh, trade deadline recap. I'm going to start with a move. It's one of my moves. Um, I traded Shuhei Kosaka. My Right-handed power hitter to Fargo for Tommaso Fiorentino and Julio Botello. You know, I, I think it's a fair deal. Um, Kasaka just mashes righties. He, his power is actually overdeveloped to the point where he's 102 power versus right-handed hitters. And he's only 23. He's going to mash forever. Um, yeah, just a, a good guy to have. He's probably not really playable against lefties unless you're in a pinch or have somebody injured. Um, but... It was hard to trade Kosaka. I got a starting pitcher in Botello back that uh, that I think can be in a in a contender rotation. I don't know, you know, wherever you want to slot him, probably in the middle of a contender rotation, um, probably in a three four spot. And then I got back a catching prospect, which I love catching prospects. Uh, and actually, I ended up flipping Fiorentino later on in uh, you know closer to the deadline. So we'll get to that deal here in a couple minutes. Um, Next deal, Italia sends Eric Bogadal to Atlanta for Hunt Park. This is Jim's first trade, so shout out Jim. Um, I think first trade ever, actually. I think he said he was new to uh, online leagues, so uh, good deal for him. I thought, you know, Hunt Park on an expiring deal to get anything back. Bogadal has had a couple uh, rough development simps, so we'll see if he becomes of anything, but Atlanta was probably going to lose him in the offseason anyway, so to get anything back for him, uh, I think I think Atlanta did pretty well here. Um, as far as Italia goes, you know, he Ryan sent me his thoughts on this. I'm just going to read them verbatim. I wanted to upgrade my fifth starting pitcher from uh, the Villegas, Villegas. Uh, so I traded for Oscar Alvarez a couple sims ago, and then two major injuries to Mateo and Villarreal happened. So I made a deal for Hunt Park to upgrade that as well. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's that's really it. You know, did have the two major injuries. I will say that a benefit of hindsight at this point on Wednesday night after the sim has gone through, Mateo is healthy now, or at least uh, for the moment, although it looks like this will be his last 
uh, effective season with the way that he has uh, sort of taken a downturn. And then Villarreal should be back uh, for September. Um, but regardless, you know, not a whole lot to give up for, for some security. Um, and then let's see, he also talked about his Betancourt deal, um, which I briefly mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, trading for Betancourt was an easy decision. Uh, then he was able to, quote, upgrade my second base platoon with him and Willie Baez. So there you go. Uh, feels his bullpen is top notch, hoping Morales and Silcock uh, continue their hot hitting. Um, I think that's, I think Morales, Morales has had a really good July. Uh, he'd pointed that out to me independently of this. And yeah, I mean, Morales is hitting, I mean, he's doing about what he should be doing. He's hitting 253, 15 home runs, OPS plus of up to 114. Now he's slumped really bad early in the season. Um, but, you know, 70 at third base defense. He does have a low error rating at 45, so he's going to make some errors over there in the hot corner. But, um, you know, on pace for almost three war, and if he has an August and September like his July was, then he'll probably push four war. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think Morales is going to be good for Italia. Um, and, yeah, in terms of bullpen, he does have a top-notch bullpen. He's got Dongu, who's um, arguably one of the best relievers in the file. Um, ERA under two so far this year in 56 innings. What more do you want? And then also is Bobby Tercios, who's 35 and getting paid a lot of money, $20 million. Jeez. Um, but... Another guy, 170 ERA plus and 52 innings. So pretty much if you want to beat Italia, you better be winning before the eighth inning starts because otherwise it's not going to happen for you because you're going to have a hard time scoring on those two guys. Um, Let's see, next deal. Um, Oh, the big one, the big blockbuster of the deadline. Um, Phillies acquire Hansu Park from Atlanta. They give up Eddie Gomez, Diego Granados, Tupa Makalupa and Shintaro Hara. Um, huge trade, obviously. Hansu Park, I think, is a top three hitter, which is a huge deal for Philly to get and upgrade that Kareem Garner position at shortstop. So you get, you take a guy in Garner who I think was Philly's eight hole, and now you have, I don't know where he's hitting him in the lineup now. Um, but, you know, middle of the order guy, let's see. He was his four hole this week uh, and actually had a pretty rough week. Negative uh, one more, only hit 227, did hit a bomb. Um, but yeah, you, you've got a guy like that uh, can really impact a playoff race. Philly was already the leader in terms of run differential, so adding a, a hitter like that is, is really going to help. Um, and I, I think Atlanta got a decent return. Obviously, if, if Pocket had you know, probably another season or two in that under team control, you're going to get double or triple this return. Um, but I think Jim did a good job coming in right before the deadline, kind of in a tough spot and was able to get, you know, a fair offer. Um, uh, uh, Pac is going to want, I mean, he's high greed. He's making 21 million. He's one of the best players in the game on pace for uh, almost six war this season. I think it was almost seven war before. So he's, He's going to want a lot of money this offseason. A lot, a lot, a lot of money. So, um, you know, maybe more than Atlanta was willing to spend. Maybe more than what Philly's... I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he hits the open market, to be honest. Um, and that would be very interesting to see what he would command in free agency. My guess, I think he would get between 50 and $60 million annually on 
uh, about a three-year deal, maybe with a team option at the end of it. Uh, he's 32 years old. He will be 33 in February, um, but he's low work ethic. So you know those kinds of guys. You do worry a little bit about uh, you know about their their primes ending. Um, I will say, just looking at him right now, I'm worried about his long-term future at shortstop with that 49 arm. So he's probably going to have to be a second baseman, which I don't think anyone wants to pay a second baseman. $50 million a year. So be very interesting to see if either Philly can extend him or uh, or if not, then what he gets on the open market. Yeah, he's up to, up to 6'3", 240 pounds. I don't think he's played his whole career at that, at that weight. So he may have, um, but that seems, I think that's heavier than I remember. Um, in terms of what Atlanta got back, I think Eddie Gomez is a dude. I think that's a piece that, uh, that Atlanta will have in its rotation in a few years. Granados, um, I think he's a reliever because of that third pitch. If he's a starter, then great. Um, I think he can be an effective reliever. Uh, Makalopua is a reliever, but he, you know he's in rookie ball. He's a long way away. And then Hada, I assume, just kind of a throw-in. I don't think he's a, a long-term piece uh, that they can use. The only thing that I would maybe say here is, you know, if I was trading him away, I probably would have insisted on Coglin or Bueno being in the deal from Philly system, but. Again, guy that's expiring, um, that wants however much money, you know, you, you get what you can. And I think with Eddie Gomez being the centerpiece of this deal, I think Atlanta did a good job of that. Um, next deal was is also Philly trading away David Roman, center fielder for Bruce Johnston. Um, Durham retaining 100% of that. Philly upgrades at catcher. Um, yeah, I mean, I tried to get... I tried to sell Philly on uh, on Mankayo, and he was like, "Well, I got a cheaper deal over here." So, and um, and yeah, he. I mean, I, Bruce Johnson's pretty good. Um, was better in his prime than he is now, obviously. Um, I will say one concern with Philly that I have is, you know, the two guys that he adds in this uh, in this deadline period are both negative character guys. So, I wonder how that might impact. Uh, might impact a playoff run. I know uh, Atlanta, Jim, Jim noted in the uh, main channel that his players were ecstatic after they traded away Hansu Pox. So, uh, you know, wonder what that will introduce, maybe stir up a little bit too much for a playoff run. But I think Philly overall did a good job of, uh, you know, taking shots where they could. It certainly seems like it is Philadelphia's year after about a decade of contention. So, um, and then explanation from Andrew on why he just does this deal. Uh, Bruce Johnson is a quote asshole and was asking for like five years at 25 million average annual value extension. And he says he liked David Roman's dev report and gap power and defense. Um, yeah, so that certainly makes it sound like it would be worth it to Durham. Um, I don't know about Roman's. Long-term viability, his eye is only a 37 potential, and it's only a 17 average right now. Um, but he does, he, you know, he's got a high work ethic. Um, his gap power is overdeveloped by seven, um, which is a decent sign. And yeah, he's got the range that he can play. You know, theoretically, he'll be able to play for a long time in center field um, and play well in center field. In terms of Devreport. Um, it looks like he's actually lost five potential since uh, as a center fielder since uh, since April. He's gained five potential. The, the Dev report's so weird. I don't know why it changes positions randomly from 
This guy is first base, center field, right field. Now he's a center fielder again. Um, but he is developing and his potentials haven't decreased at all in terms of contact power eye. So not a bad flyer for Durham to get here um, on a guy on a guy like Bruce Johnston that was a last second free agent signee for Durham and a guy that he probably wasn't going to be back next year. So to get any value, any value at all back from that is uh, just being a good GM. So a uh, good deal for both sides there. Um, Next one is another one of my deals. Uh, I traded away, I flipped Fiorentino and then reliever Victor Mata to uh, Seoul for Franklin Sotelo. Uh, I wanted the flexibility to be able to trade Mankayo, which I uh, did, I think, later that same day, actually. Um, so I was actually talking with Seoul about something completely different, noticed Sotelo in his system, and then noticed, you know, asked about. Uh, if you would be willing to deal him. So he's only 24. Um, you know, give up, a, I think, 61 potential reliever, and then Fiorentino has a higher potential as a catcher than Sotelo, so I think it's a good return for Seoul. Um, I just like Sotelo because he's pretty much almost already de- all the way developed. He's really high gap power, uh, really high gap power, so I think he's going to hit a lot of doubles. And then he's got really, really good catching defense. And then all his other hitting traits are pretty much average. So um, I think he, I think that makes him a starting caliber catcher on a contender. Probably, you know, not a top five or six catcher, but I think he could be, you know, maybe a two or a three word guy, depending on how much defense uh, plays into that. I don't know exactly know the formula, um, but. You know, if I'm able to find a, a catcher that is better than him, then I think he's an ideal backup. He's also got high leadership, so I don't think he's quite a captain at the moment. Um, but high leader guy, good guy to have in the clubhouse, and great defense for uh, you know for backup catching duties. So yeah, it was good to get that deal done. Yeah, next very next deal on the docket, me trading away. Mankayo and a third round pick for Salvatore Valdez and Jose Villa. Um, I wanted to get off of some of the Mankayo money after I'd gotten Sotelo because I knew I wanted a Sotelo to start the rest of the season. Um, and then I got a good prospect back in Salvador Val- Valdez that I think can be in my rotation. Oh, let's see. How far away is he? Um, I need to place him and actually, I actually haven't done that yet. I think he's probably going to finish the year for me in double A because his control is still 33, but he could be in triple A this year um, and could potentially be in the majors by the end of next season. He's already 23. He'll be 24 in February and 59 potential, good velo and great stamina. You know, that's typically the kind of makeup that I look for in a starting pitcher. And so to get him for, and then Jose Villa, who's a solid reliever, um, I mean, what I got, I, I got Moncayo initially for um, a third round pick and a reliever. So I'm basically acquiring a reliever and Salvatore Valdez for two third round picks and a reliever. So if you just want to simplify it, trading Salvatore, uh, trading two third round picks for Salvatore Valdez, which I'll do uh, 100% of the time. Now I'm also paying, I think, $13 million a year for the next couple of years for Mankayo, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but, yeah, I think overall, assuming Valdez goes ahead and develops, I think I'm going to end up happy with this deal. Um, next deal, Durham sends Luis Rios to Brooklyn for Monte Cristo. 
Cristofoletto and Enrique Vasquez. Um, another deal that I like from Brooklyn's end of things, I uh, was able to add, you know, a bullpen arm for a stretch run uh, in Luis Rios, which Rios can also be a starting pitcher if he needs that flexibility. Uh, I don't think he necessarily does, but could be. Somebody got hurt or something. Uh, or a long reliever, whatever, you know, whatever you want there. Um, from Andrew's perspective, he DM'd me. Uh, Monte Cristofaletto, I like as a utility second base shortstop third baseman. I also like his gap power and personality. Uh, totally agree with that. Um, he first of all, Monte. I think he's he's not the only Monte in the in the system. Uh, surprisingly, although he's the only one that's. There's one other one that's not very good at all. Monte Furio. Um, Monte's an interesting name. And yeah, I mean, he's got good defensive traits, high work ethic, high leader, so potential future captain. Um, overdeveloped gap power again. Uh, really solid avoid Ks potential, even though his contact potential is only 49. I could see Christoph. I keep wanting to say Christofferson. Uh, Christopher Leto eventually making a major league roster. I don't think that's out of the question at all. Um, not great speed, but, um, you know, great middle infield potential there. Uh, 42 potential overall. So, yeah, I think that's a guy that you can have when you're 25, man, uh, and feel good about it. Um, and, to you know, I think really, not to say that relievers are useless, but... Luis Rios wasn't given much value to Durham specifically um, just because, you know, they're trying to still in a rebuilding phase and Luis Rios is 30 and a 54 overall uh, reliever. So good. I think good mutually beneficial deal for both sides there. Fair, fair value. Um, getting down to the end here. My last trade of the deadline is essentially just uh, a cup. Um, I can't think of the right word. I, uh, this is bugging me. I can't think of the right word here. I facilitated salary dump from Brooklyn. Um, took back Nort and ended up getting back Bob Martinez and a third round pick. I mean, I, I'm assuming, I'm thinking that Nort, because he's on that player option, is going to um, decline this option, especially because he's not going to be on my major league team for the rest of the season. And I assume, yeah, I mean, we saw we saw that player options are pretty much broken regardless. So, um, and if he does pick it up, it's seven million, and I can probably can probably flip him. He's still a decent player. He just can't be what Brooklyn was using him as, which was a center fielder. He's just not good enough defensively to be a center fielder, but he can play in the corner somewhere. Um, and then, yeah, pick up a th- so I pick up a third round pick for essentially. Theoretically, only going to be about $3 million. Uh, I think that's a fair price. And then Bob Martinez could be useful at some point. Uh, he's in my... Actually, I have him in my bullpen going down the stretch here, um, partially because um, he had to have it. I either had to put him in my bullpen or wave him. Um, his control's a little low, and he's going to be 30 here uh, in December. I don't know. He's a fly ball pitcher that throws 101 with 99 stamina. Maybe he should be a starter. He's got three solid pitches. What is he as a starter? Let's figure this out live. He's a 44 potential starter. Look, that'll do. 
Wait, so maybe, yeah, maybe I'll just trade Bob Martinez in the offseason. I don't know. We'll have to see about that. I could see him being a uh, throw-in guy for somebody. Um, last deal of the deadline. Oh, of course, Brooklyn. This is Brooklyn upgrading Nort and not just trading away his center fielder for no reason. He gets John Yu, XIU. I assume that's just Yu. Uh, 100% retained. I wonder, is that a... Or how long that contract is. It's just this year. Okay, so that's an expiring deal. So Brooklyn's going to have to expend him or extend him or cut bait. Um, and then, so Brooklyn gives up a second-round pick. Melvin Ramos and Ricky Urias. Ricky Urias, I don't think is anybody. Melvin Ramos, I think, um, could potentially be a starting pitcher for a major league club at some point. Uh, I mean, he's, a, he's in AAA right now, so he's not that far away. I just don't let, you know, he's not a guy with a whole whole lot of upside, but he does have, you know, baseline movement and up to 60 control, and he's going to have three pitches with baseline stamina and, a ba- and baseline velocity. So, I, you know, he's a fifth starter on a playoff team, I think. Not a contender, but a, I think he's a fourth or fifth starter on a, on a playoff team um, in the future. He hasn't moved off 20 overall yet, which is a little concerning because he's already 23. And he's mostly already developed. Um, only about 20 away on stuff, seven away on movement, and 20 away on control. He's so he's getting there. Uh, I assume he'll be in AAA for Washington here before too long. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Brooklyn upgrading that center field spot is was a must. Really, the biggest thing keeping Brooklyn from reaching that top tier, you know, they're in that second tier contenders, is defense. I think about a month ago, they were 20th in defense, and they're already up to 9th as I'm looking at their page right now. And that's before now you've upgraded from Nort to uh, to you for, uh, for that center field defense spot. Just a really solid squad. Number three. One and on base percentage, which I love building. I love teams that are built that way to get on base a lot. And then tied for fourth in home runs. So that, you know, great offensive system. And then starting pitchers have pitched really well. I don't know how Alexis Espinosa has pitched so well. Um, no clue, but he has. Um, Alberto Solaris is developing nicely, very nicely. The movement has come along. Um, is up to 50 now as of this most recent sim. Uh, he's going to be a really good pitcher, guys. He does have the sidearm arm slot, which is going to make it difficult, uh, a little bit more difficult for him against lefties. A little bit. He's going to be a little bit more susceptible to left-handed to left-handed hitting. Um, but going to have three pitches in the blue with good stamina, good, uh, good velo, and then baseline movement and control. You know, it's not an ace, but I think that guy can pitch in the major leagues uh, in this in this sim. So, and Brooklyn, Brooklyn is so interesting because they've got a lot of good prospects. Um, at least four prospects that I would be very thrilled to have in my system, or I, I think anybody would be thrilled to have in their system. Which I think. Um, you know, to be a contender and to have that is good. Um, now that said, Seattle probably has him beat in that regard because um, Seattle's farm system is still nasty uh, with especially Walter 
Ver Verheesh, Verheesh. That dude's gonna be really, really good. Um, you know, Omar Arroyo, I think, is technically the number one prospect in the game. Uh, I'm dubious of that, but Mark Wedding is solid. I think Reynolds has his potential. Um, yeah, got off track there. But I, so yeah, I mean, that, pretty, that ends kind of the deadline talk of it all. Um, winner of the deadline, winners of the deadline. I mean, Philly acquired the best player for sure. I think Brooklyn did the best job of filling holes. Um, really, Brooklyn and I mean, Brooklyn and Philly, uh, you know, bought the most um, and did a good job of both did a good job of holding on to their guys. Brooklyn was able to hold on to Latham and Steyer and Espinosa and Joseph, and Philly was able to you know get one of the best hitters in the game and upgrade at catcher, which is a hard position to upgrade without trading away Callum Coughlin or uh, Tomas Bueno or even um, Kaja Sukup or um, the first round pick from last year, Luis, Luiso Minocchio. A lot of Italian names in this game. This guy's from the Vatican City. Shout out Cloud City. I know, uh, know he'll be happy to see that. Loves that Vatican City stuff. Um, right now, Will loves North Korea. I think he loves Vatican City too. I wonder what that says considering... Uh, those places are pretty different. Now I'm just rambling, seeing if there's anything else I want to talk about here. Um, Myrtle's going to get the number one pick. I think that's fairly obvious. Uh, everything else is still fairly up for grabs. My team is totally tanked. Uh, halfway on accident and halfway by my own, just selling away my best players um, that are old. I mean, I, I thought I was... My plan... Five sims ago was to go for a top four seed, or you know at least maybe a top six seed, and then I lost eleven in a row, so I threw that out. Um, and now I've lost. I traded away Mikayo and Valles and um, who else? Uh, Kasaka. Uh, I feel like there's one other guy that I traded away. I don't know. I traded away a bunch of guys uh, after I lost eleven in a row, and now I've lost nine in a row, and now I'm basically in position to get a top 10 pick which is great uh for the future of my franchise i do want to start winning again as soon as possible um my starting pitching is going to be should be all my young starters should be good enough by next season that all that they'll be in the majors and at that point um i won't start i won't be contending yet but i think i will at least uh have to try to put a competent offense and defense around those pitchers um, I had a good offense for a little while this year until they started a tank without, for no reason. Um, but yeah, I will probably end up sinking further if I had to guess. Although I'm probably going to pick up a bunch of wins in the next two Sims. Play Seoul and Indianapolis and St. Louis and Washington. No disrespect to those programs, but they all have fewer wins than me right now um which means that i should win probably will go at least 500 for that stretch and then i play cloud city and everett and fargo in a two sim stretch and probably gonna lose a lot of those um anyone else we want to talk about here before i sign off for 30 minutes i think that's typically about max um 
yeah, I think Bronx getting a new owner in here. They won three in a row. I know <laughs> talked to Jake briefly, and he was, uh, yeah, he made some changes to uh, to his defense, uh, which Bronx has the worst defense in the league. So that'll be an interesting offseason to watch in Bronx because that is a barren farm system for the most part outside of um, Brent's, Bent Sponick, which is an outstanding name, and then some relievers. Uh, and I guess this Luna guy is pretty good too. Eighth round pick in 2035. How who who do I have to talk to to get one of these fast risers? I got 20 million dollars in dev budget, and I've never had one of these 20 potential guys just pop up out of nowhere. Eighth round pick becoming something. That's ridiculous. Man, at some point that's gonna happen to me, and I'm never gonna stop talking about it. That is my promise to you, the listener, if you've made it 33 minutes into this podcast. Um yeah, I think that's probably going to do it. I'm just rambling at this point, looking for things to talk about. Um, imagine the TNBL Times podcast will be back. Plenty to do a playoff preview. I've got, um, I did some research a couple weeks ago, or I guess about a week ago, into how what championship teams typically look like in terms of where they rank in the league, in terms of you know runs, uh, run differential, um, home runs, average walk rate, strikeout rate, and then like uh, fielding independent pitching, ERA, um, defense, some other, just a bunch of different stats. Found out all the champions and runner-ups rankings um, to see, you know, just try to figure out what a championship team has looked like. We, we you know, this is our 10th season, so we're about to have, we're almost to the point where, you know, we have a reliable data set. I can tell you that the 2029 Boston Red Sox completely uh, jumbled up that data set completely. So I think uh, I'll be done with that research. Uh, don't have too much left by the time the playoffs are ready to go. And so I will uh, share that with some of you guys on the playoff preview podcast, um, which normally sims away. That is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Roughly 10 sims away. We do five sims a week, so about two, about two and two and a half weeks, I guess, or two weeks, depending on when the final regular season date ends. We'll see. Um, but yeah, it's always a pleasure. Y'all uh, take care. <laughs>